Ashley Brock reading Diane Palmer's book, Donovan, Chapter 3. Faye got through the rest of the day without showing too much of her heartache. She'd had hopes that Donovan might have felt something for her, but he dashed those very effectively. He couldn't have made it more obvious that he wanted no part of her or her moneyed background. He wouldn't believe that she had to work. Well, of course, she didn't really, but he might have given her the benefit of the doubt. It hadn't been a terrible shock to learn that he was J.D. Langley. He did live down to his publicity. Later, she found out that Donovan was his middle name and what he was called locally, except except by people who did business with him. She certainly understood why the Ballingers hated to see him coming. She was sorry about his hostility because the first time she'd ever seen him, there had been a tenderness between them that she'd never expected. It must have all been on once been on one side, though, she decided miserably. Well, she told herself as she lay trying to sleep that night, she'd do better to stop brooding and can concentrate on her own problems. She had enough without adding a formidable Mr. Langley to them. But Faye was conspiring against her. The next day, she tried a new cafe in Jacobsville and came face-to-face -face with J.D. Langley as she sat down with her tray. He gave her a glare that would have stopped traffic. He obviously just finished his meal. He was draining his coffee cup. Faye turned her chair so that she wasn't looking directly at him and with unsteady hands took her food off the tray. I told you yesterday, Donovan said at her at her shoulder that I don't like being chased. Then you listen. The whip of his voice cut not only that, it was loud enough to attract attention from other diners in the crowded room. Face face went red as she glanced at him apprehensively, her green eyes huge as they met the fair silver glitter ones. I didn't know you were going to be here, she began uneasily. No, he challenged his smile insult in itself. You didn't realize recognize my car sitting in the parking lot. Give it up, Debutant, I don't like bored little rich girl, so stop following me around. Got that? He turned and left the cafe. Faye was too humiliated by the unwanted attention to enjoy most of her meal. She left quite quickly and went back to work. Following him around indeed, she muttered to herself while she fed Dad into her computer. She didn't know what kind of car he drove. The only vehicle she'd seen him in was a battered gray pickup truck. Had he forgotten? Perhaps he thought she'd seen his car when he come to the feedlot, but she hadn't. The more she saw of him him, the less she liked him, and she hardly been hounding him. She certainly wouldn't again. He could bank on that. Abby came in the next afternoon with an invitation. Calhoun and I have to go to a charity ball tonight. I know it's spur of the moment, but would you like to come? Will my uncle be there, do you think? Faye asked. I hardly think so, Abby grinned. Come on, you've been moping around here for two days. It will be good for you. You can ride with us. And there's a very nice man I want to introduce you to when we get there. He's unattached, personable, and rich enough not to mind that you are. Uh, Mr. Langley, I heard what happened in Cole's Cafe. Every girl's J.D. doesn't go to charity balls, so you aren't likely to run into him there. Thank God, he was so kind to me that night I met him, but he's been terrible to me ever since. I only wanted to thank him. He thinks I have designs on him. She shuddered. As if I ever chased a man in my life. You're not J.D.'s kind of woman, Faye, the older woman said gently. Your wealth alone would keep him at bay. Without the differences in your ages, J.D.'s in his early 30s, and he doesn't like younger women. I don't think he likes any woman, 
Pei replied with a sigh. Especially me, but I wasn't chasing him, honestly. Don't let him worry you. You sure he won't be here tonight? Absolutely positive, Abby assured her. Prophonic words, Abby and Calhoun picked Faye up at her apartment house and drove her to the elegant Whitman estate where the charity ball was already in progress. Faye was wearing a long white silk dress with one shoulder bare and her hair in a very elegant braided bun on top of her head. She looked young and fragile and very rich. They were through the receiving line and Faye moved ahead of Calhoun and Abby towards the refreshment table. While they spoke in an acquaintance, she bumped into someone and turned to apologize. Again? Katie Langley asked with a vicious growl. My God, do you have radar? They didn't say a word. She turned and went back toward Abby and Calhoun, her heart pounding in her chest. Abby spotted J.D. and grimaced. I didn't know, she told the shattered Faye. I swear I didn't. Here, you stick close to us. We won't. He won't bother you. Come on, I'll introduce you to Bart. And that will solve all your problems. I'm sorry, Faye. Was it your fault? It's fate, I guess, she said dryly, although her eyes were troubled. Arrogant beast, Abby muttered, sparing the tall, elegant man in a dinner jacket a speaking glance. If you were a little less conceited, you wouldn't have this problem, she drew Faye for Here he is, Bart. A thin, lazy-looking man with a wavy blonde hair and mischievous blue eyes turned at as his name was called. He greeted Abby warmly and glanced at Faye with open curiosity and delight. Well, well, great goddesses are back in style again, I see. Do me, do favor me with a waltz before you set off for Mount Olympus, fair damsel. This is our newest employee, Faye York. She introduced him. Faye, this is Bartlett Markham. He's president of the local Cattlemen's Association. Nice to meet you, she said, extending her hand. Do you know cattle? I grew up on a ranch. I work for a firm of accountants now, but my family still has a pretty formidable Santa Clarita's purebred operation. I don't know much, but I'm learning every day, Faye laughed. I'll leave her with you, Bart, Abby said. Do keep her away from J.D., will you? He seems to think she's stalking him. To tell. His eyebrows leveled, and he went, Why not stalk me instead? I'm a much better catch than J.D., and you won't need preventative shots if you go out with me either. Insinuating that she would with J.D., she thought. Rabies, probably. She mused venomously in case he bit her. She smiled at Bart, Bart feeling happier already. Consider yourself on the endangered species list, then, she said he loved. Gladly, he glanced like to dance. Charmed, she gave him her hand and let him lead her to the dance floor, where a live band was playing a bluesy two-step. She knew exactly where J.D. Langley was, as if she really did have radar, so she was careful not to look in that direction. He noticed it was impossible not to. When she was dancing with one of his bitterest enemies, he stood quietly against the wall, his silver eyes steady and unblinking as he registered the fluid grace with which she followed her partner's steps. He didn't like the way Markham was holding her, holding her or the way she was responding. Not that he wanted her, he assured himself. She was nothing but another troublesome woman, a debutante. At that, and over ten years his junior, he had no use for her at all, and if he'd made sure she knew it, their one, their one evening together had sent him tearing away in the opposite direction. She appealed to him terribly. He could afford an involvement with a social girl. He knew he was better off alone, so keeping this tempting little morsel away from him became imperative. He had to savage her to do it. It was still the still the best thing for both of them. She was much too soft and delicate for a man like himself. He'd break her spirit in her heart 
because he had nothing to give, and his father's reputation in the community made it impossible for him to be seen in public with her in a cordial way. He'd accused her of stalking him, but, but gossip would have it the other way around. Another money-crazy Langley, critics would scoff out to snare himself a witch-wife. He'd grown as just a thought. He didn't like seeing her with Markham, but there was nothing he could do about it. He shouldn't have come tonight. He turned away to a refreshment table and poured himself a glass of scotch. You aren't really after Donovan, are you? Bart asked humorously. He flatters himself, she said. That's what I thought. Like father, like son, he said unpleasantly. I don't understand. He made a graceful turn, carrying her with him as the music's tempo increased. After Donovan's mother died, Rand Langley got in a financial tangle and was about to lose his ranch. My aunt was very young then, plain and shy, but she was filthy rich and single, so Rand set his cap for her. He kept after her until he seduced her so that she had to marry him or disgrace her family. She was crazy about him, worshipped the ground he walked on, then... Inevitably, she found out why he really married her, and she couldn't live with it. She killed herself. Bakerus, I'm sorry. So were all of us. He had a coldly glaring at J.D. Langley's back. Rand didn't even come to the funeral. He was too busy spending her money. He died a few years later, and believe me, none of us grieved for him. That wasn't Donovan's fault. She felt bound up when him. Blood will tell, came the unbelievable lie. You're well to do, huh? Yes, but he can't stand me. I don't believe that. I couldn't imagine J.D. passing up a rich woman. How many has he dated over the years? She asked without, with faint irritation. I don't keep up with his love life. He said tersely, and all his prejudice showed quite clearly. Faye could see that he wouldn't believe a kind word about J.D. Langley if he had proof. The two of you don't get along, I gather. The two of you don't get along, I gather. We disagree on just about everything, especially on his ridiculous theories about cattle raising. He had a sarcasm. No, we don't get along. She was quiet after that. Now she understood the situation. It couldn't have been made clearer. She danced with several elegant bachelors and several married men before the evening ended. Surprised her that J.D. Langley was still present. He remained on the fringes of the dance floor, talking to other men. He asked no one to dance. Faye was sadly certain that he wouldn't ask her. But in that, she was surprised. The band was playing a soft love song, and she watched Bart glanced in her direction, but before he could get across the room, Donovan suddenly swung her into his arms and out onto the dance floor. Her heart skipped wildly as she felt the firm clasp of his hand on her waist, his fingers steely as they linked hers. This is not a good idea, she said firmly. I'll think you're encouraging me. Not, li not likely. By now, Bart's filled you in, hasn't he? He replied with a mocking smile. She averted her eyes to the white ruffled shirt he wore under his dinner jacket. On another man it might look effeminate. On Donovan it looked masculine and very sexy, emphasizing his dark good looks. I got an earful, thanks, she replied. He shook her stiff as a board. He amused looking down her. Are you afraid to let your guard down? There's very little I could do to you on a dance floor in front of half of Jacobsville. You've made your opinion of me crystal clear, Mr. Langley, she said without looking up. I haven't been stalking you, as you put it, but you're free to think what you like. Do you try? Do try to remember that I didn't ask you to dance. That was the whole purpose of the exercise, he said carelessly, to make sure you didn't set your cap for me. Then why are you dancing with me? His lean arm whipped her close on a turn, but he didn't let her go afterward. His dark face was all too close, so that she could smell his tingy aftershave, and his silver eyes bit into hers at point-blank range. Don't you know? He asked at her lips. Her heart tripped as she felt his breath. Oh, 
I see. She said something. You're trying to irritate Bart. <laughs> he lifted his head and one eyebrow quirked. Is that it? What else? She asked with a nervous laugh, rooting her eyes to a fuming Bart nearby. Listen, I'm not going to be used for any vendettas by you or your hissing kin. His fingers curled into hers and drew them to his broad chest. It rose and fell heavily, and he stared over her dark head without saying anything. I don't have any vendettas, he said quietly, but I won't be accused of following in my father's footsteps. She could feel the pain in those terse words, but she didn't remark on it. Her eyes closed, and she drank in the delicious masculine scent of him. I won't be rich for another week or two, she murmured, until the legal work goes through. I'm just a temporary secretary. He laughed in spite of himself. I'll see. For two weeks, we're on. For two weeks, you're on my level. No Mercedes, no mansion, no padded checkbook. Something like that, she said and stuck close. How about a wild, passionate affair? We could throw the coats on the closet floor, and you could have your way with me under someone's silver fox stall. He burst out laughing, still the arms drew her close as he made a sudden turn, and her body throbbed with the sensation it caused in her untri untried body. Hasn't anyone told you yet that I belong to two animal rights groups? So you're one of those people who protest lab animal experiments that save little children's lives and throw paint on people who wear fur coats? She asked her temporizing. Not me. I'm not fanatic. I just think animals have the right to be humanely treated, even in medical facilities. His arm said, as for throwing paint on fur coats, a few lawsuits should stem that habit. The idea is to stop further slaughter of wild animals. A fur coat is already a dead animal. She shivered. You make it sound morbid. One's over I know. Do you wear fur? She chuckled. I can't. Fur makes me break out in hots. He began to A rich girl with no fur. What a tragedy. I have plenty of velvet coats. Thanks very much. I think they're much more elegant than fur, and they don't shed. She moved closer. Shot when his hand caught her hip and contracted me. Ouch. She protested. He moved her back and Don't push your luck. He said his voice low, faintly threatening, like a slurring eyes. You're pretty sexy in that little number you're wearing, and I'm easily aroused. <laughs> Want me to prove it? <laughs> no, thanks, she said quickly. I'll take your word for it. He laughed as he spun her around in the next turn. For a sophisticated debutante, sometimes sheer contradiction. Is that a blush? It's hot in here. Oh, the convenient excuse. He leaned close and brushed the cheek against her. Too bad you're rich. It is. Why? She asked in a tone that sounded unfortunate, unfortunately, all too breathless. He nibbled gently on her ear, because I'm dynamite, man. Do tell. She hit her face against him. Are you? She whispered shakingly. His lean hand slid up her back and into the cold hair of her nap. He crushed it gently while he held her, the music washing over them in a sultry silence. So I've been told. His chin rubbed softly against her temple, his breath coming roughly. But why take someone else's word for it? She forced laugh. Isn't this a little sudden? I mean, just a day ago, you were giving me hell for eating lunch in the same restaurant with you. I'm sure Bart told you the problem. Rich, you're right off my Christmas list. Poor. You're an endangered species. His hand contracted, coaxing her face up to his glittering eyes. Should I cut and run? She asked her voice husky. Do you really want to? He whispered. As he spoke, he moved closer, and his powerful thighs brushed hers. Even through all the layers of fabric, she felt the imprint of them, the strength. His hand slid down her back to her waist and pulled very gently so that she was pressed right up to him. 
Welded from breast to thigh, he watched her eyes, and something masculine and arrogant kindled in his gaze as he felt the faint shiver of her soft body. Do you like Chinese food? He asked. She nodded. I like to drive up to Houston for it. There's a good restaurant just inside the city limits. How about it? Are you asking me out? <laughs> Sounds like it. He mused. Don't expect steak and lobster. I make a good salary, but it doesn't run the champagne. She called furiously. Please don't. She said quickly. I'm not like that. He touched her face. Yes, I know. It makes it harder. Do you think I enjoy hurting you? He asked harshly. For an instant, something showed in his face that startled her. He looked. There's no future for us, little one. She found him hesitating. Any second, he was going to take back that supper invitation. Just Chinese food? She prompted one slender hand, poking him gently in the ribs. He st started. He started and she grinned at him. The no moonlight seduction on the way home, Janet. As you said, it isn't wise to start things we can't finish. I can finish that, he murmured shyly. She cleared his throat. Well, I don't take chances. I'll risk my stomach with you, but not my heart. He cocked an eyebrow. Does that mean that making love with me might enslave you? He teased. Exactly! Besides, I never sleep with a man on the first date. There was the faintest movement of his eyelashes. He averted his gaze to a point beyond her head. Couldn't admit that it bothered him, thinking of her with other men. She was a debutante and filthy rich. Surely there had been a steady stream of suitors. She might have more experience even than he did. He'd never thought about a woman's past before. It had never occurred to him to wonder how experienced his lover of the evening actually was. But with Faye, he wondered... What's wrong? She asked curiously. He glanced down at her. She looked very innocent until she smiled, and then her eyes crinkled, and there was a sophistication in them that made him feel cool. Nothing. That's usually the woman's line, isn't it? Eagle writes, he reminded her, Friday night, I'll pick you up at six. I don't live with Uncle Henry anymore, she began. I know where you live, he replied. We'll eat Chinese food, and you can show me what you know. It should be quite an experience. <laughs> Long after the dance was over and she was back in her apartment, she worried over the last statement. She felt as if she were about to get in a well over her head. She wanted Donovan more than she'd ever wanted anything in her life. A day with him was the gold at the end of the rainbow. But she pretended to be something she wasn't, and she didn't know what she was going to do if he took her up on it. Abby noticed Faye's preoccupation the next day when she stopped by to see Calhoun. You're positively more so. Abby claimed, what's wrong? Donovan asked me out, sir. I froze one of J.D. asked you out? But he hates rich women. Yes, I know. I told him I was going to be poor for two more weeks, so I guess he thought it was safe enough until my hair and its comes through. I see. Abby didn't say anything, but she began to look worried herself. Faye, I never thought to mention it because J.D. was giving you such a hard time, but he's something of a womanizer. I figured that out for myself. Remember, it, was my, it shows. <laughs> He's a gentleman in his way. Just don't give him too much rope. He'll hang you with it. I know that, too. I'll be careful. Abby hesitated. If it helps, I know how you feel. I was crazy about Calhoun, but he liked a different kind of woman altogether. We had a very rocky path to the altar. He's crazy about you, though. Anyone can see that. Abby smiled contently. Of course he is, but it wasn't always that way. Donovan already said that he doesn't want commitment. I'm not going to get my hopes up, but an evening out with him, well, it's going to be like brushing heaven, you know? 
I do indeed. Abby smiled, remembered her first date with Calhoun. She glanced back at Faye, her eyes wistful. She only hoped their newest employee wasn't going to be badly hurt. Everybody locally knew that J.D. Langley wasn't a married man, but Abby would have bet her prized bull that Faye wasn't innocent, as Abby herself had once been. If she was, she had a lot of heartaches in store when J.D. found out, and he would. He'd drop Faye like a hot rock. Innocence were not his style. They went through the motions of working like a zombie for the next week, with a dawn tedious weekend in between that did like did little for her nerves. Donovan didn't come by the feedlot at all, and when she left the office the next Friday afternoon, she still hadn't heard from him. For all she knew, he might have forgotten all about her. The phone was ringing even as she got in the door, and she grabbed up the receiver, receiver as if it were a life preserver. Hello, she said breathlessly. I'll be by in an hour. You hadn't forgotten? Donovan shot. How, how could I? She asked, setting maturely. I love Chinese food. He joked. That puts me in my place, I guess. See ya. He hung up and Faye ran to dress. The only thing in her closet that would suit a fairly casual evening out was a pale green silk suit, and she hated wearing it. It screamed big money, something sure to set Donovan's teeth on edge. But other than designer jeans and a silk blouse or an evening gown, it was all she had. The cotton pantsuit she wore to work today was too wrinkled and stained to wear out tonight. It wouldn't have been suitable anyway. She teamed the silk suit with a nice cotton blouse, sat down to wait. After renewing her makeup, she only hoped that he wasn't going to take one look at her and run. If he didn't throw her over entirely, she was going to have to invest in some medium-priced clothing. End of chapter 3.